It's about a mile away from the main protest area, which is at Sindagma Square. Sindagma Square means Constitution Square, and it's outside the Greek Parliament. Um, for anyone who might be familiar with Athens, it's very where I am right now is very close to the U.S. Embassy. It's very close to um, some major hotels, such as the uh, the Hilton Hotel in Athens. So it's a pretty central location. Uh, but yet it's far enough away that uh, there's really no um, there's really no effect from anything that's going on downtown with the protests. Well, why did the protests turn violent? Let's let's talk a little bit more about the protests because they they have been. It, we just heard a little bit of that clip from the YouTube video, and uh, it's gone viral, of course. So. What you you have an interesting theory or talk around the town says that um, those protests are not quite what they seem. Well, let me start by saying that uh, to give a very quick background about the protests and how they got to this point, uh, the protests began a little bit over a month ago, uh, around May twenty eighth, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and for the first 30-some days of the protests, they were entirely peaceful. Uh, thousands of people would congregate outside the Greek parliament every night. Um, the crowds would grow larger as the day would go on and into the nighttime. Uh, but there would be some protesters that would stay in the uh, central square outside of parliament 24-7. Uh, people actually began to camp out. Uh, a, whole, uh, a whole little... Um, I wouldn't know exactly how to describe it, but a, a, a whole little like organization was built up around these protests where uh, there were first aid stations, where there were different tables that were set up with uh, different committees that were in charge of uh, cleanliness, for instance. There were legal committees set up. Um, and every evening there would be public forums that would take place in a central square and anyone that wanted to express their opinions uh, about the current situation was welcome to do so. Um, nightly referendums would take place as well. So it was really uh, quite a democratic movement and it was all set up through social media, which is the other very noteworthy aspect of it. What happened? And that's what you're there for. You're, you're there studying social media. Tell us a little bit more about that. Right. I actually came to Greece this summer to study the Greek blogosphere in particular and to conduct interviews with journalists, with, uh, with bloggers, with people that are uh, knowledgeable in some way about uh, blogs in Greece and how they have uh, had a major role in uh, civil society in a country. So it just so happened that this turned into a very, um, a very good time to be here to do research like this because of um, the way that these protests were set up in, in this grassroots manner. Yeah, no, if any time was a good time, now, now would definitely be that. Have you seen what is compared to the Twitter revolution in the Middle East? You're seeing that more in the form of blogs, though. Uh, well, not just blogs. I would actually say that in terms of the, the organizing of the protests themselves, uh, the protests were largely organized through Facebook. For instance, the main Facebook group of the uh, the protest movement uh, has about 153,000 members. 
Um, and that's really where word initially began to spread. But what happened is the blogging community here in Greece also helped spread the word as well. Um, and the blogging community has been very good about uh, posting photos and videos and live video from the protests as well and really sort of taking what is happening there and um, and disseminating it out to uh, to people that can't be at the protests. And in regards to the protests that we just heard a clip from earlier, you had mentioned something that was that was really interesting to me that there may have been actually rebellious protesters inserted into that parliamentary area. Absolutely, and we uh, we both saw the same video that went viral, and it's one of many that have come out in the past couple of days. Um, a pretty common sentiment here in Greece right now is that after 33 or so days of peaceful protests, uh, the protests in the past couple of days um, sort of reached the climax in the sense that the parliament was about to vote on the economic austerity measures. So a lot of people came out to show their opposition to uh, these measures that were being voted on. Uh, but things started out peacefully as, as they had been for the past month. What happened at some point on Wednesday was, uh, on Tuesday I believe actually, was that a certain small group of, you could call them troublemakers if you'd like, you can call them hooligans if you'd like, showed up, uh, about 100 to 200 of these people in number, and they began to uh, cause trouble immediately. They began to throw rocks and other objects at uh, the police that were congregated there. They began to smash shop windows uh, around the square and in the surrounding streets. And of course, this led to a police response as well. And the police response was uh, quite heavy-handed. Uh, a lot of tear gas was thrown, um, and tear gas wasn't was was thrown pretty indiscriminately, uh, and it led to pretty much everyone that was located in a square trying to clear out of the area because it was just such a such a um, um, suffocating environment with the tear gas that was being thrown. Now, in terms of what you said, the suspicions that exist here in Greece and which are backed up by a lot of the videos that have begun to appear online and, and on social media and a lot of the photos that have been seen as well is that these hooligans, these troublemakers, were not actually part of the protest movement. They weren't actually protesters. They were sent there by and you could begin to guess, was it the police, was it the government, was it someone else? But they were sent there by someone who obviously wanted to ruin the peaceful nature of the protests and who wanted to give the police an excuse to then take action that would then clear the square of all protesters and not just the troublemakers. So in the video that we saw, for instance, uh, that we both saw together that went viral, um, the video was depicting protesters who had been uh, tear gassed and a lot of them retreated into the entrance of the subway station at Sindagma Square. And police began to fire tear gas into the subway station. And keep in mind, this is a very closed space, so it, it became an unbearable environment in there. A, an employee of the uh, Athens subway system ran out, and he was in uniform. He was wearing a characteristic orange uniform. He ran out, and he was asking, begging, if you will, the police to stop firing tear gas because people inside the station couldn't breathe. And instead of 
stopping the tear gas, he was actually thrown to the ground, and then when he was laying on the ground motionless, uh, some other police officers hit him on the head several times. Uh, and this was a video that was shown again and again on TV here in Greece on a lot of the different newscasts, and certainly it went viral online as well. And it's just one of many such videos that have surfaced in the past uh, couple of days. It's, it is absolutely a horrific video, and I'm glad the audience isn't watching us on television right now, because if we would have shown that, I'm sure cable networks would have thrown a fit. But it has gone viral, and it is a horrific video, so... Um, that's a very interesting, um, that's, that is so interesting to me that the government potentially implanted, and, and who, who would have these rebels have been? Who would they, would, would they have come from Greece? Would they have been from another country? Has, has, that, has that surfaced at all? Most likely they're Greeks, uh, they're Greek people. Who they actually are and who they work for and what they represent remains... Uh, a large unknown. I mean, there's a lot of people here in Greece who believe that uh, they call them, they call these um, these troublemakers the parakratos. The parakratos means basically the parastate or sort of like a state within a state. So that sort of implies that these are people, these are some sort of shadowy people that work for the police forces or the government and who are, are sort of dispatched uh, whenever um, the government wants to discredit a peaceful protest movement such as this one. And obviously, though, without having any sort of official investigation into this, it's hard to say for sure. But what I can do is at least relay what the uh, general sentiment here is about who these people are. One thing that uh, is pretty certain, however, is that these people were not part of the protests that were taking place over the past month. Well, Michael, I want to continue this conversation, but we need to get a break. Um, whenever we come back, I want to talk a little bit more about the auxiliary measures that, of course, have been so unpopular. Also, um, what help the EU has given, what the response that the EU has given to Greece, and um, and also just the, the safety factor, if, if Greece is, is safe to travel to, because I know that whenever I was in Europe, I was actually, and this was just a, a few months ago, I was told, we'll, we'll go to break and we'll be right back. Stay tuned for the rest of our interview with Michael Navrodikas in Athens, Greece. All right, thanks for staying tuned. You are listening to a special edition of the Music Authority, and we're joined with Michael who is in Athens, Greece, and describing the situation, the protests, the very unpopular auxiliary measures that have just been passed yesterday. So I want to pick up there, and um, let's talk about the measures that passed yesterday and um, why they're so unpopular. Why do the Greeks not think it's going to bail them out? Okay, well, the, me okay, well, the measures that passed yesterday are uh, a continuation of economic measures that first began to be implemented in May of 2010, uh, which is shortly after Greece um, went to the European Union and to the International Monetary Fund, the IMF, 
are requesting what many people in the media have called a bailout for Greece. So what happened, uh, I'll go back to May of 2010 and, and sort of bring us up to the present time. In May of 2010, the government went to the EU, went to the IMF, uh, requesting this, uh, this bailout. And um, the first series of economic measures began to be implemented. Uh, and these were conditions, basically, that were imposed on Greece by the European Union and IMF in exchange for receiving this bailout, which was basically a loan. It wasn't a grant or anything of that sort. It was a loan to Greece uh, and basically was a loan to pay back debt. So a loan to pay back old loans, uh, if you will. So these economic measures that were uh, that were passed at that time included cuts to salaries in the public sector. Uh, it included uh, cuts to uh, to pensions. It included cuts to uh, social benefits, and it included tax increases as well. So it, these were measures that really hurt a lot of people very hard in the wallet. But what the uh, the politicians in Greece were saying at that time was that. Um, these are measures that are necessary for the for the Greek economy to recover. Uh, we expect that within the next year, Greece will once again be able to re-enter the global financial markets and won't need to have this bailout from the European Union and IMF anymore. So there was this general idea that these were temporary measures. One year later, the government has come back and said these original measures did not work. The economic situation has gotten worse, and we need to take more measures, which once again uh, have included cuts to salaries in both the public and private sector, um, more cuts to um, social services, um, large tax increases across the board, and uh, in addition to all of those things, there are um, the, the measures that were passed this past week have also included um, provisions for Greece to privatize many of its um, state-owned uh, utilities, such as the uh, public power company, for instance, and to sell off a lot of its national assets, such as airports, harbors, uh, and things of that nature. So this is wildly unpopular uh, for two reasons. The first reason is that people feel that these measures have already been proven to fail. Uh, salaries were cut, pensions were cut, benefits were cut, taxes were raised last year, and the situation got worse. So people are saying, why is it going to work now? Why will more cuts suddenly turn the situation around? Uh, the second thing is that people feel that the government is selling out Greece's very vital national assets uh, at a very bad time for Greece, uh, and that this will strategically harm the country, especially if you're going as far as to sell out, to sell your airports and your harbors. Um, you're basically putting these resources into the hands of foreigners, um, and a lot of people feel that it creates a, a very potentially dangerous situation for the country in the future as well. So a lot of unpopularity with these measures as a result for, for these reasons, and certainly because people are also feeling the pinch in their wallets. Um, the unemployment rate in Greece is very high right now. It's over 16%. It's doubled in the past two years. Um, and especially among young people, unemployment is very high. It's over 40% for people under 25 years of age. And people feel that this is just going to make the business climate worse. A lot of businesses, thousands of businesses have shut down in the past year. 
people aren't really spending nearly as much money as they used to, uh, and people are worried about their uh, financial well-being going forward. No, naturally. I, like I said earlier, I think before the break, whenever I was traveling Europe uh, and planned to go to Athens, I was advised against it because of the unrest. And tourism is Greece's largest uh, amount of income, amount of revenue. For, for their country, from what I understand. So I, I would imagine that it has been a huge hit for them uh, because of that. Absolutely. Tourism is Greece's major industry. And uh, certainly what has been shown on television uh, across the world uh, this past week has not been very good for Greek tourism at all uh, because people are obviously very scared that, you know, they'll come to a country where there's unrest, where there's rioting, um, where um, they won't be safe. And, and to be very honest, I think that that doesn't really quite illustrate the situation here accurately because as violent as the protests uh, did get in Athens in the last in in the past few days um, those that violence was restricted to that one part of Athens and you could have been for instance uh, near the Acropolis which is about a mile away from there in the other direction from where I am and not had any idea of what was going on in central Athens. And certainly once you leave Athens and go to the islands and to the rest of the mainland, uh, there's really absolutely nothing even remotely violent happening. The problem is that this isn't what's being relayed by the media, however. The impressions that people are getting about the country is that it's steeped in violence and unrest right now. And that obviously plays into people's decisions as to whether or not they want to come to Greece um, for vacations list here. One thing that I will mention in addition to that is that if anything is going to inconvenience travelers to Greece list here, I would say that it would be strikes, which have been going on not on a continuous basis, but every couple of weeks there have been one to two day strikes that have taken place that at different times have affected flights coming into the country. Um, they have affected ferry boats uh, traveling to the islands in Greece. Um, and also a lot of social services that really mostly affect uh, the, the residents of Greece. For instance, on Tuesday and Wednesday, banks were closed, post offices were closed, um, th things of that nature. A lot of public transportation in Athens wasn't running. Um, so that's something that could potentially affect a traveler coming to Greece, uh, much more so than any, in, any unrest. Uh, one final thing I'll say about the strikes, and I think it relates very much to this conversation, is that it's hardly just a, um, a Greek phenomenon. For instance, yesterday in the United Kingdom, public servants there went on strike for the entire day, and that included uh, air traffic control um, and, and, and things of that nature. So uh, UK airspace was paralyzed, and a lot of services within the UK, such as public transportation, were not functioning as well. And those protests, um, low strikes, were actually over the same reasons that there have been strikes in Greece. People in the UK have also been protesting austerity measures that have been proposed by the government over there. Um, and similar, similar measures have been proposed in countries throughout Europe and have led to protests and responses as well. So what's happening in Greece is unfortunately indicative of 
problems that are really surfacing in a lot of other countries as well. And our own country at that what Absolutely. Just was um was announcing our of course poor economy is going to need to hold together by August second. So hopefully this isn't something that is going to we're going to see in the States, but um I am glad to hear that it's safer than what our media is portraying and it's safer from what I've been advised. I was of course ill advised to travel there, so um, I'm, I'm, I'm glad to hear that. But I do want to talk a little bit more about the um, auxiliary plan, which was just passed yesterday. Is it yesterday now? Um, one of the one of the components was yesterday. The other was the day before. Okay, so we know why it's so unpopular, but maybe let's talk about what Greeks want to see done differently. What is the popular consensus as to what they want to see their government do to get them out of this horrible slum that they're in? One of the most difficult aspects of this, um, of this situation is the fact that there's so many alternatives that have been discussed by the media, by people within uh, Greek society as to what the government should have done instead of these austerity measures, that there isn't any one general consensus as to what the best foot forward is. But I could mention, um, just to give a couple of examples, some of the things that have been discussed. Um, since Greece has gone to the European Union, but also to the International Monetary Fund, for assistance in terms of getting loans that, um, according to the government, will keep the country running. Um, there's a lot of people that look at the examples of countries such as Argentina and Hungary, which also were under IMF oversight and which also received loans from the IMF. And these loans, of course, came with very similar conditions to the ones that have been imposed on Greece. And what a lot of people here feel is that in Argentina and in Hungary, these countries actually found that their economies got worse under these um, these uh, reforms that they undertook with the blessings of the IMF. But their economies began to recover when when those countries basically told the IMF to leave and they turned their back on the on these policies. In Hungary, for instance, which is also a member of the European Union, um, a new government came to power. And the new prime minister there refused to cut salaries any further, refused to cut pensions further, and instead he did things such as impose a tax on banks, uh, banks that were in Hungary. And this, of course, was very unpopular with the IMF and the European Union. They threatened to actually take the country to court. But those ultimately proved to be empty threats. Nothing happened, and Hungary's economy actually began to recover quite nicely uh, as a result of those um, those new uh, those new uh, policies that were implemented that sort of went against what the IMF had been proposing. That's one thing. The second thing that a lot of people here feel Greece should do is there's a lot of people here that feel that Greece should in fact default and. Greece should leave the Eurozone. Greece should return to its old currency, which was the drachma. People feel that this will give the country a lot more control over its financial future. Uh, and even though people understand that 
if this does happen, it would probably be very difficult at first in Greece, and that the new currency would probably be devalued sharply. Uh, people feel that going forward, it might be the best option for Greece because Greece would then have the opportunity to set its own financial policy rather than to have its policy dictated by uh, the European Union. Uh, and as, um, as I mentioned a moment ago, Greece's currency is the euro. It's the common currency that is used in a lot of other European countries as well. Um, and that probably explains why the European Union and IMF have pressured Greece so much in the past year or so, and especially in the past few months, because the European Union is worried that if Greece were to default, let's say, or to leave the Eurozone and to go back to its old currency, that it could set off an, a domino effect and that other weak economies, such as Portugal and Spain and Ireland and Italy, uh, could then follow, and that could potentially even lead to the demise of the euro. So it's a very complicated issue. Um, there doesn't really seem to be an easy solution, but I think a lot of people in Greece feel that even if there's no easy solutions, there's better solutions than uh, what the government has chosen to do. You know, it's just a, such a sticky mess, though, because whenever uh, I was living in Spain, I was a huge fan of the European Union. I'm a political major and studied the EU. And although the Spanish were hesitant, and just like the Greeks, they would have rather had the Pasado instead of the Euro, um, it's starting to seem like a bad idea, just the European Union in general. I hate to make that such a bold statement, but it seems like when one country goes down, they're all going to have to bring it back up. And when you have countries like Spain and Portugal and Italy and Ireland all struggling, I, you, bring down, you bring down the rest. That's absolutely tr true. And I think it points out to what many people feel is a weakness in the European Union and in the euro, the currency that was set up. And the weakness is that this currency was created and implemented in, in all these different countries. And these countries had to meet certain criteria in order to begin using the currency. Uh, but those criteria going forward haven't been upheld. Um, you know, economies get worse. We've certainly seen that in the U.S. as well. Um, and it's led to great disparities between powerful economies such as that of Germany or France and weaker economies such as that of Greece or Spain or Portugal. Um, and even countries that had very booming economies such as Ireland, uh, who saw those economies collapse in the past couple of years, and Ireland is now finding itself in sort of the same boat as Greece and Portugal and Spain and so forth. Um, there's this feeling that the European Union wasn't prepared for a situation like this, and now that so many of uh, the countries that are part of the Eurozone are in, in economic trouble, uh, the European Union has not come up with uh, satisfactory solutions uh, to the crisis. And it's really led to, um, I would say at least just from the uh, sentiment here in Greece that I can go by, um, a big decrease in popularity for the European Union and uh, what it stands for. And I'll say that there was a time here in Greece not so long ago where the European Union was very popular. People felt that the EU had helped Greece a lot, uh, uh, had sort of helped fund a lot of infrastructure projects in Greece, had helped the country really uh, develop and modernize very quickly. Um, 
initially when the euro was introduced, it was sort of seen as uh, an indication that Greece's economy had really improved greatly, uh, and it was sort of on, on the same footing as some of the more powerful countries in Europe. Um, but I think that sentiment began to diminish very quickly when people saw, for instance, that once the euro was introduced, prices went up sharply. Uh, and this was not just a Greek phenomenon, but it happened in a lot of European countries where, uh, for instance, something that was 100 drachmas, uh, which was equivalent of about 30 cents, was uh, once a euro was introduced, the price was changed to 1.00 euro. So the price tripled basically overnight. Um, so prices of a lot of goods went up, incomes didn't go up nearly as much, people began to go into debt very quickly, and um, increasingly the euro and, and correspondingly the European Union began to grow much more unpopular, but that really has come to the forefront in the past year as uh, so many economies in Europe have begun to suffer. Do you think the EU will get out of this mess? I believe that all of these financial crises and economic crises are cyclical and the day will come where Europe and um, all of the countries in Europe will probably see a recovery. Um, the problem is when will that recovery take place and what will happen in the meantime. It's very hard to say right now, it's very hard to see a light at the end of the tunnel. And if anything, even though the uh, Greek uh, austerity measures were passed uh, this past week, which sort of led the markets to breathe a, a, a sigh of relief. Um, there's really nothing that's guaranteeing that the situation won't continue in the near future to get worse in Greece or that countries such as Spain or Portugal or Italy or Ireland um, won't, um, won't, ha won't see their situation get worse as well. I mean, Portugal and Ireland have already received bailouts from the IMF and the European Union as well. There's talk that Spain and Italy might need to do so at some point. Italy just announced that they are going to pass their own austerity measures as well. And it, if these measures didn't work in Greece, it's possible they won't work in countries like Italy either. So there might be a, a continuation to this crisis. And going forward in, in the coming weeks and months, uh, I think we're going to see a lot uh, come out of Europe in terms of uh, this economic situation. I completely agree. I think that we're going to see a lot coming up as well. So um, how, how long are you there for? I'm going to be here through uh, the end of July. Okay. We will have to do updates on the Music Authority whenever... Um, hopefully, it'll be a wonderful update where they have gotten out of this mess and uh, we can have some good news. But... Um, I do want to thank you for coming on to the show, and I hope that, and I, I know that you say that it is safe in safe areas. I know that you're in one, so I, I hope that your safety continues and doesn't um, it doesn't turn any more dim than it already is. Thanks a lot, and um, well, thanks for having me. Uh, I do hope that things turn up, not just in Greece, but everywhere, that uh, next time we speak that I'll have uh, much better news to report. Um, I think the one thing that we can all do is just be hopeful that uh, things will turn around. And that is wonderful advice. So I want to enter, end the interview there. Thank you so much again, Michael, for speaking with us. And a full version of this story, 
actually this Q&A, and I will be making a full version of the story, will be on the front page of the Daily Texan on Monday, so be sure to pick up a copy. Thanks a lot. We're going to commercial break, and we'll be right back with the Music Authority.